Does God speak to you? Do you know how to listen for God's voice? Does it even work like that? How does our understanding of the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit affect the way we think about, well, everything? Could it be there's a lot more untapped love and fulfillment in your life that you don't have yet because you haven't really explored the depths of the Trinity? We're going to be talking about all of that and many more juicy things on today's episode of Theology on Air. Welcome back to Theology on Air. We are, of course, an offshoot of Theology on Tap, which is a ministry to young adults and really everybody in Houston that wants to come out, drink a beer, talk about theology, the Bible, faith and culture. Um, And we would love for you to come join us if you want to know more about our live events or more about the podcast or just more about anything, really. Go to HoustonTOT.com to find out everything you need to know about life and how to give us lots of money so we can keep going and all of those things. Um, I'm Sarah Stone. I'm the executive director for Theology on Tap. I'm joined, as always, with Evan McClanahan, the senior pastor here at First Lutheran in Midtown. And we have a special guest today, someone I've been getting to know recently and is a lot of fun, Jim Stern. Uh, Jim pastored churches and built ministries until 2015 when he started Trexo. We'll have to ask you what that means. A disciple-making ministry that leads people and organizations to experience and multiply Trinitarian life. Life is in all caps. We'll have to ask you about that. He's married to Brooke for 21 years and has two teenagers, so you have experienced some suffering in your life. Um, Present suffering. Yes, teenagers are tricky. But... um, but welcome. Thanks for coming and joining us today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been awesome to get to know you over the past few months. Yeah. Good to see you again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, awesome. So every time we get together or I hear you speak at something, um, you say something that makes me think and then later think, oh, I wish I'd asked him this. Or, um, and so I wanted to dive into a couple of your kind of like pet topics or things that you're <laughs> passionate about. Passion projects, I guess I should say, not pet. Um, but before we dive into those big things, maybe just give us a little bit of your own story of you came to faith kind of late in life ish. I mean, yeah. I guess I can't say that if you're not old, right? You can't say it's late in life if you're, I don't know how old 26 is, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't raised in church at all. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, gave my life to Lord at 26. And, um, right after that guy brought two, our father brought two men into my life who started discipling me and they've been discipling me for 25 years. Uh, while at the same time, the Lord led me out of uh, the corporate world, uh, which I was in love with and doing great. Uh, in over a six-month period of time, he just dried that up, became painful to go to work. Uh, and I had no idea what was going on because I have no mm-hmm. background in this whatsoever. But uh, he called me out of uh, the vocational world, or excuse me, the, the corporate world, into vocational ministry. And so I've been in vocational ministry for 25 years. Seminary, blah, blah, blah. Churches, blah, blah, blah. 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 Yeah. So you were a pastor of a church, at least one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, started out in student ministry, then I pastored a church, then I started a church 2010. We, we had our church for 10 years. Uh, and then uh, in the middle of that, 2015, we started Trexo. And I've been doing Trexo exclusively now for the past three years. And what is Trexo? What is it? Does that stand for something? No. Is it just a cool word that you came up with? Sounded. No. Trexo is the Greek word from Hebrews chapter 12, 1, where the author of Hebrews says, let us run with perseverance, race mark out for us. That verb in the Greek, let us run, is the verb trexo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And where did you get your awesome fashion sense from? <laughs> for those of you that are just listening to the podcast, not watching, these two gentlemen are wearing essentially the same thing. Yeah. I mean, really, like brown shoes, his, jeans, his socks are gray small and mine are black, check, but... button up shirts. 
It's very cute. Sharp looking dude, man. A bromance in the making here. I love it. (laughs) You're just like a pester. Yeah. It's great. uh, This is all offensive. Trexo. I love pesters. T R E X O. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like oil and gas. It wouldn't look quite like that, but yeah, gotcha. Query, cool. Yeah, I like it. It sounds right. Spell it in the Greek, because then oh, no one I, would be able to. I don't know. Tau. <laughs> I can't remember. I, 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 anyway, yeah. something, something. Yeah. Theta is in there, maybe. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. There's no theta. No. Okay. Well, well, let's move on. That's the diphthong. That's Scientology. Unless we're here to talk about Greek, <laughs> yeah. let's let's. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, so I first heard your name. And I heard a podcast that you were in that sparked an interesting conversation with um, some ladies that are like sort of mentors slash friends slash just awesome. We call ourselves the Fab Five. If you're listening, love you guys. You name yourselves. I named us the Fab Five. Yeah. Well, I don't need to get into it. I like that. (laughs) That's already taken. Oh, my gosh. I was in a bluegrass band once called Two Parsons and a Reprobate. <laughs> we That's had, amazing. We had we had one gig, and it was at a church meeting here. So there you go. Yes. Yeah, we can get the band back together, though. You lived up to your name pretty. Easy. If yeah. the reprobate came to know Jesus, you'd have a real problem with your name. I know, but people would be happy. We we we, we never preached the gospel to him for that very reason. <gasps> oh, I thought you were the reprobate. Oh no, I was one of the. Actually, maybe it was two parsons and a reprobate. Be much better. Okay. Anyway. Oh my gosh. So <clears throat> the Fab Five. I yes, the Fab Five and I listened, and we we had a whole discussion about this at our Christmas hangout. We listened to a podcast you did about um, the Trinity and really understanding the Trinity, and that people don't really think about the persons of the Trinity in their own lives. And we ended up asking the question in, and we had the most fa- like fascinating conversation. The question we asked each other after listening to that was. When you pray, do you tend to pray to, like when you say, dear, who comes next, right? Yeah. Is it Father? Is it to Jesus? Do you pray to the Holy Spirit? And there are five of us, and there were two, two, and one on our answers. And then it was just really... What was the, what was the break then? It was remember? two Father, two Jesus, one Holy Spirit. One Holy Spirit? Yeah. Wow. And, um, you know, then we had some interesting conversation about, like, relationships with our own fathers and and when we came to faith and all of that kind of jazz. But... But it was interesting listening to you talk about if you really think about each of them and their distinct qualities, characteristics, it kind of it can deepen your relationship. So maybe walk us through some of your thoughts. What got you even interested in that? Because you talk a lot about Trinity stuff. That's like. Well, I think everything revolves around the Trinity, right? We're made in the image of God. But what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Well, you know, Orthodox Trinitarianism, we believe in one God. We're monotheists who exist in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Spirit, the Spirit's not the Father. Da, 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 da. Where Orthodox Trinitarianism stops, though, is at those declarations and doesn't take the next step further into explaining how do I live in relationship with each person of the Trinity. Yeah. So that I'm supposed to have a distinct relationship with the Father, a distinct relationship with the Son, a distinct relationship with the Holy Spirit. And what does that look like? So in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission, come and call the Great Commission. Jesus says, when you go, all authority in heaven that has been given to me, go to all nations and baptize, or all people groups, and baptize them in the name of the Father Mm. and and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He does not say to baptize them in the name of God. He doesn't say baptize them in the name of Jesus. He says baptize them in the name of the Father. And in the Greek, there's a very, these, the names are separated it's not like they're just missing a comma. Mm-hmm. The names are separated in the Greek with mm-hmm. some other Greek filler words to create distinction. Mm-hmm. You are baptized in the Father. You are and baptized also, in yeah. the Son. 
you were baptized in the spirit and that your conversion is really a transformation of relational status with each distinct member of the Trinity. Hmm. The scripture, and we can get in this as much as you want to, but the New Te- this, this, the entire scripture, but the New Testament in particular is very, very, very specifically clear about the distinctiveness of each person of the Trinity. Hmm. Remarkably clear. Jesus is remarkably clear. The New Testament authors are remarkably clear about the distinctive roles of the Trinity in our lives. And so I meet with people all the time talking about their Trinitarian issues, talk about their issues in their life. My marriage is falling apart. I'm stuck. And, da, da, da. and we track everything back very, very quickly and very easily. It's not six steps. Very quickly and very easily back to uh, struggles individuals are having with intimacy with Hmm. with different persons of the Trinity. Let's do it right now. Let's have a counseling session. Evan's going to tell you his darkest secret oh, no, and you're going to fix him. No, I'm kidding. Be... That was interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So for those people that are like, whoa, I I just, I prayed, dear God, and that's it. And I don't really think about that. What might be some ways to start kind of learning or understanding what those different avenues or different persons yeah, good are question. like, or what would be sort of like first steps in exploring this? Uh, the first, the easiest step is just to become aware of it in the scripture of how often, whenever you're reading scripture, pay attention now to the particular person of the Trinity that the author is referring to. Hmm. And you will see it in spades. Usually now what happens, usually what happens is when you read scripture and you see the son, the Holy Spirit, or the father in your brain, you just lop it all together into what we have come to call the God blob. (laughs) And the God blob is, yes, I believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but how they all work together and how they relate together and how I relate to them, I don't have any idea. I just pray. And so, for example, last week I'm visiting with a guy who's telling me that he is having anger issues in his marriage. And so we're we're just talking through some preliminary things, whether or not we're going to meet together and whatever. And he keeps telling me, the Lord says this, the Lord says this, the Lord says this. Yeah. And so I paused him and I said, hey, let me just ask you a question. When you say Lord, to which person of the Trinity are you referring to? He was like, (laughs) he had no clue. He had no clue to who he was referring to. He just knows that's a name of some thing to do with God. Right. And so when he refers to, to God, he calls him Lord, but he has no clue who he's talking to, which is a major problem in his life. And, and again, I can directly connect. I'm like, I don't think I would today, but the anger issues that he has with his wife are nothing more than a manifestation of lack of intimacy that he's experiencing with particular persons of the Trinity. Hmm. And the way that that's manifested is he's saying Lord. And I'm like, hey, when you say Lord, who are you talking about? And he looks at me and says, literally, he says, I don't know. Yeah, I but think that's honest, man. He's been in church for a long time, you know, all the whatever Bible studies, all the normal accolades that people have, and yet his 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 clarity on on the Trinity is is just a mess. Well, I think that's many of us. Like when I heard your podcast, I started thinking, okay, when I pray, oftentimes I'll pray Father. So I guess I am picturing the Father. But then I thought, let me think about what I picture. So I've been asking people, what do you picture when you pray? Oh, you like, what do you visualize? Do you visualize a person? Is it sort of a space? Is it like a pretty, is it like Eden? Is it a story from the, what is it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people don't, not everyone's maybe visual in that way. But when you pray, are you, are you sort of visualizing yourself sitting next to someone, talking mm. to someone? Wow. So what, like, what is it for you? And do you take turns? Do you try to equally... <laughs> like morning prayers are to the father, midday no, 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 prayers. No, 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 no
So I, I don't I don't visualize any person in particular. I am I'm relaxing back into the person of the Holy Spirit, believing that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. As uh, one who's given his life to Jesus, I've been baptized and filled in the Holy Spirit. So I believe the Holy Spirit of God himself, the person of the Holy Spirit is in me, Yeah. is in me. So when I conceive of the Holy Spirit, I'm not conceiving him there above. I'm conceiving of him here. I'm relaxing back into the person of the Holy Spirit that is in me as I am communing with my Heavenly Father. Now, what he looks like, and I, I, I'm just allowing the Holy Spirit, giving the Spirit of God access to my heart and mind yeah. to take me and show me whatever it is that he wants to take me and show me. So it's not limited, it's not forced, it's not manufactured, it's none of those things. The majority of my prayers are directed to the Father. The, major, the vast majority of my prayers are directed to the Father. The Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray to the Father. Yeah. The, the, the most compact Trinitarian prayer... In the entire Bible is Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, in which the Apostle Paul prays to the Father in the name of Jesus that we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm. All three persons of the Trinity are invoked in very specific ways, according to very specific roles that those persons are supposed to play in our lives. Yeah. And so the bulk of my prayers are directed to the Father. I absolutely talk to Jesus. I absolutely talk to the Holy Spirit. But the the bulk of my prayers are directed to my Father. Interesting. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, when you end a prayer, do you always say, because this is something people do too, that in, in the name of our Lord, like they'll end a prayer and they'll say, in the name of Jesus, or they'll say, in the name of our Lord, or in yeah. your holy name, yeah. in your holy name, they won't even say a name. Yeah. Do you think there's a wrong or right way to end a prayer? Okay, so let's get into matter of right or wrong because people get chapped about this all the time. Uh, usually, what happens when they when whoever brings me in, and we always going to end up talking about the Trinity at some point in time. Usually, uh, there's revelation. Oh my gosh, I never knew. Okay, now I have clarity in ways I didn't have. And then the next step is okay. Now I'm freaking out about my praying. Now I don't know who I'm praying to. I was the God blob before, but now I feel like I'm doing it all wrong, and it's just a freaking mess. Can I say freaking? You can. Okay. Um, uh, I'm not an institutional guy anymore, so my language gets a little bit loose. So forgive me if I get out of bounds. But um, so the, the, we had we have to deliver them from that, from fear and anxiety that I'm getting this wrong. We like we liken it to, and it's very much so. It's very much so. You've been adopted into a new family. Mm-hmm. That family has a mom and a dad. You don't know anything about this family. You just got adopted in the family. There's you're learning. You're growing up. But mm. as you grow up and mature in that new family, there's an expectation that clarity of who the people are in the family and the roles that they have in the family, are, you're going to grow in clarity in that. And so in the beginning of awakening to Trinitarian intimacy, there's massive grace in, in understanding all this. What will happen very, very, very quickly, and it will happen very quickly as you allow yourself to be open to Trinitarian clarity and you continue reading in the scripture, you, you can't unsee it. Yeah, It's impossible to unsee it you're going to be amazed at how specific the New Testament in particular, I can do it in the Old Testament too, but the New Testament is in clarifying, that's the Holy Spirit, that Mm -hmm. was the Son, that was the Father, that was the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God in you, the Spirit of God wants you to have greater Trinitarian intimacy than you ever want to on your own. So the Spirit of God in you is working toward delivering you into Trinitarian intimacy. So now you're co-laboring with the Spirit in this joyful way, and now you have these robust increasingly robust relationships, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, I like the imagery of the being adopted into a new family and that you're going to deal sort of, not deal, but you're going to interact differently with the dad and the mom. It's love from both, but they're different, you yeah. know? Yeah. And by the way, after being friends with Jim Stern, so I'm teaching, <laughs> we're teaching through John in our Bible study. In fact, we have it tonight, high priestly prayer tonight. Um, 
But I was in John 16 and I was like, well, you can't be friends with Jim Stern and read John the same way. Because, woo, you're right. It's sort All of, it's like place. when you, my daughter just, we just got her a used car, first car for her. She just turned 16 or a little while ago. And um, now she, everywhere we go, is that a Nissan Sentra? I think mm-hmm. that's a Nissan Sentra, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like that. Like uh, you read the Bible and you realize, oh man, these are distinctions. And Jesus keeps talking about the Holy Spirit. And then my father, and my father is going to give this to me. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can't come until I go back to my father. I mean, it's a lot, you know? Anyway. No, I mean, one of the massive distinctions of Jesus and his ministry was his Trinitarianism. One of the scan- the great scandals of Jesus was walking around calling God his father. Yeah. The Jews didn't know what to do with Trinitarianism. They absolutely didn't know what to do with Trinitarianism. And they absolutely did not have any frame of reference for calling God father. Hmm. None whatsoever. Hmm. And they, that, that freaked them out. But what did Jesus do? He walked around and said, my father, my father. Here, yes. Here's, here's the gospel. Here's Jesus's gospel in a nutshell. <laughs> this is Jesus speaking. My father is better than your father. And he's paying the price so that you can be adopted, that he can become your father too. Yeah. Everywhere Jesus went, my dad, my dad, my dad, my dad, yeah. my dad, my dad, my dad. <laughs> Romans 5, Galatians 4, the apostle Paul picks it up. First John 4, First uh, John 3 and First John 4, John and Paul pick it up. This is all about adoption, man. You've been adopted from the orphanage of the world to become a son or a daughter of our heavenly father with whom you can have this incredible relationship and your father wants to take care of you. Yeah. By the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this Trinitarianism baffled the Jews. It baffled the disciples. And yet Jesus kept on hammering them and teaching them and trying mm-hmm. to bring them around and trying to bring them around and trying to bring them around because it was so out of the box. It's so revolutionary and therefore so confusing. It is, well, it is. And it's mysterious. I don't think we'll ever fully wrap our minds around it on this side of heaven. But why? I mean, maybe people have asked you this question before. Why do you think the Bible slash Jesus doesn't just come out and say, okay, there's this thing called the Trinity. It's a little confusing, but it works like this. There's three persons, one God. Like we have sort of pieced that together from everything. And we, the, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. No. Um, but we believe strongly in it. I mean, so much so that we would say if someone doesn't believe that, they're maybe a heretic. Like that's a, it's a really core part of Orthodox Christianity. Oh, absolutely. So why do you think the Bible doesn't just come out and say, here's what it is, y'all? Well, I think... I, th- I think in that day they would have heard it that way. Hmm. They, they, it wasn't. I mean, Jesus did say it. I and the Father are one. Um, uh, in 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 many different places, he says it. Now, re- remember this. Here's here's fascinating culturally. Jesus is speaking into two different cultures at the same time. Yeah, he's speaking into monotheism of Judaism, but he's speaking into polytheism of the Roman culture. Yeah. So Rome is like, oh, you only got three. Yeah. That's, Dude, we got to winnow I mean, it down. That there are three. That there that there are distinct. Uh, entities yeah. that have different roles in lives for the Roman would have been like, man, yeah, all right, whatever. Okay, okay. The, the, the son guy does this and the father guy does this and the spirit guy does this. Cool. We got you. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You don't have to further explain this to us. We got it. The Jews would have struggled mightily, yeah. right? Because it's all of the oneness, 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 oneness. So what do you mean they do different things? We don't really get the father and the son are one and they don't really get, gets kind of jammed up. But, but when you begin to see, so what, when you begin to see the proliferation, the volume of Trinitarian language, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's, it's everywhere. It, it, it's almost in every single thing. It's not in everything, but it's almost in every single thing that Jesus says hmm. is Trinitarian. Yeah. Not the least of which, Old Testament, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 61, three prophecies about the coming of the Messiah 
all three of them say that when Messiah comes, he will come full of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So the entire ministry of Jesus is not because he's the Son of God. It's because he is completely submitted to the personal work of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So even the essence of Jesus is Trinitarian in nature. The essence of Jesus' ministry is Trinitarian in nature. The only things I do are the things my father tells me to do. Yeah. My father, my yeah. dad speaks, I do it. But my ability to hear what the father is saying, my ability to have the power of what the father wants me to do is because of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so Jesus' entire life and ministry is, is possible because of the, of the Trinity. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I don't know if we you want to get into like Unitarian versus Trinitarian debates or something like that. But, you know, I know people who are Unitarian, you know, or they're, I guess, modalist. So mm-hmm. they would affirm that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. But I, but I guess they're, you know, manifestations of the, of the God, you know, God at different times or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have a kind of, I don't know, quick or easy, you know, kind of response to that? But I do think that that's something where... A lot of Christians could fall prey to that. Sure. Like if you went into a lot of Christian churches. Especially new Christians, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so they may not understand that the three persons exist at the same time and eternally and always. So they can maybe kind of fall into this thing like, oh, well, yeah, maybe, um, yeah, maybe, you know, it was the father first and then, and then the son came historically. We know that. And then he gave the spirit. So you don't need these three persons. You just have these three different manifestations at, at you know, hmm. in time. I don't yeah. know. Is that... Well, just to I clarify mean, for those listening, modalism would say even now, God can manifest himself in different ways, but it, never at the same time. You know, so when Jesus was doing his thing, which is, this is where modalists get in trouble because Jesus is still very much alive, right? Uh, anyway, yeah. um, that was God in, in the form of man. And then when the spirit is doing something, that's God in the form of spirit. So he can take one form at a time, sort of like water can either be water or ice. It can't be both at once. You know, that kind of deal. So just, I am curious your response to that. Because it's easier to think about it that way for our yeah. little bit limited brains. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, so in the first place, in 25 years of ministry and sitting with people and walking in the darkness of their lives, I've yet to find anybody who struggles with modalism. Okay. So I think okay. from a percentage standpoint, we're dealing with something that that's not super at least in my experience it's not yeah, super yeah. prevalent well like like oneness pentecostals or something like that yeah so i think i think that's their default but y- yeah so the, the um, so then i wonder like i have modal okay i have i have oneness pentecostalist friends and i'm like well so they, do I. they they love jesus like they talk highly of jesus jesus is their savior yeah but on this understanding of the trinity they're you know i think they're wrong so i don't really know what to do with that i mean i've talked to them about the trinity but i don't yeah. know like how far i should push it you know yeah, yeah. I mean, so so much of it, right? It just depends on my my fancy words, and you'll know, you guys will know this. My hermeneutic, right? It's whether or not somebody's even open. I mean, I'm, so many people are just not open. They believe what they believe, and that's what they want to believe, and yeah. that's it. And yeah. if that if I sniff that out, I don't care what this issue is. If it's mm-hmm. modalism or one is Pentecostalism or cessationism anything. or anything <laughs> um if, nice. if somebody's shut off you know if, if they're shut off they're shut off and so I, it's just not worth my time man there's way too much pain in this world there's made way too much bleeding out for people that that are really open to the healing work of the mm. father son and holy spirit that i'm not into theological baits for the just yeah. for the just for debate's sake yeah and well, so, but if there is an openness, well, okay. Let me ask you this: When you read that, you're saying when you read the New Testament, it's on every page. When you're reading the New Testament, 
is it clear to you that the father is, you know, 100% alive, distinct, that, that the son is communicating with the father and that they're both present in some way, they're both alive in some way? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I mean, and the same with the spirit, of course. Yeah, and give you chapter and verse, you know, yeah. chapter and verse, chapter and verse. The vibrancy, if you will, the vibrancy of the Holy Spirit and the personal work of Jesus is profound. Mm-hmm. The dynamic nature, the robustness, the love, <laughs> the oozing of the relationship between the Son and the Father that are on display for us is is amazing that Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's crying out. I was just going to say. And who does he want to cry out to? He that's wants right. To, he wants to cry out to his dad. And who among us, who among us doesn't want to cry out to their dads? Well, people with bad dads, which is where no, 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 no. They want to. Okay. We want to. Whether or not we can is a completely different thing. That's fair. But the the hunger of our hearts to be loved by our dads, right? I mean, the father wins and all those kind of things. Uh, and and so the, the, the yeah the, the the New Testament even the Old Testament you can go Old Testament whatever uh, it, it, the relational robustness of of the the Trinity working together in, har- in harmony is is profound. And if someone's open to wanting to talk about it, praise the Lord. If they're not, and that's just this is what they believe, in, then yeah, whatever, man. Yeah. Well, I still love you, care about you, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, we'll yeah. just we'll just talk about the Dallas Cowboys or something. <laughs> something oh no, something less controversial. So Jesus praying to the Father to me is can kind of squash that wrong theology pretty quickly. Because unless you're holding the phone and switching sides, yeah. right? You don't get on yeah. a phone call and you're yeah. like, hey, Sarah, hold on. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. me, Sarah. Yeah. Nice to talk to you, Sarah. I mean, that's just silly. Yeah. Anyway, I shouldn't call it silly. I know there are people that really believe that. Come and talk to us. We'll tell you why you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, Sarah will tell you why you're wrong. Yeah. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, I, my problem with modalists goes way deeper than Trinity stuff because they also believe things like you're not saved unless you speak in tongues and things like that. But uh, by the time this airs, we will have put out our live event on the Holy Spirit and answered all your questions. So I'm sure no one will be confused at all after that. But um, did you, you just take a swipe at cessationist, by the way? Yeah, he's oh, okay. he, right. well, we're recording this before our June event, yeah. but it'll come out after it. So this will kind of sound silly to our listeners, but he is on the panel on the right. pro gifts of the spirit end of things. So, okay. yeah. Shots fired. I'm just, just saying. Shots fired. We, um, even in this very room, we have some differing beliefs on that, but we're not going to go there today. We're going to save it for June 13th. So, and I, I would say to our listeners, oh, come in and listen, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah. this will air after that. So go back and listen. How about that? You talked on the podcast I listened to about the persons of the Trinity. When you deepen your understanding of them and your relationship with them, you're opening up greater channels of love. Amen. Can you talk about, you amen to your own thought. I love it. You're like, well, what I, I what said was said. brilliant. <laughs> I know it's great. I was, I'm, I am. I amen, amen your recollection own. of what I said. Ah, uh, okay. And there's truth. There's good truth there to amen. But walk us through that a little bit. Like, and maybe as practical as you can get, because I'm thinking about, as I've been thinking about this, you're right. The words have jumped off the page when I read scripture. But even when I pray, I still feel like um, there's more that I could be doing in just my thought life to kind of open up those channels of love, as you say. What might that look like? What do you mean when you say that? Unpack that a little bit for us. Hey, guys. 
Sarah here. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. I know it was awesome, but I just wanted to tell you that Theology on Tap is growing. We are now a standalone ministry, an independent nonprofit, and to grow, we need your help. We're offering more live events, more follow-up opportunities to reach the unchurched, and increased partnerships with local churches. You can help us grow by praying for us, by telling your friends or church about us, and of course, partnering with us financially. To donate, go to houstontot.com forward slash give. Okay, enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, so there, there's an, an, an exercise that we normally take uh, people through that usually is uh, helpful in this regard. And, and I don't know either one of your uh, family of origin, so uh, <laughs> forgive me for not having uh, advanced knowledge of these things. But by chance, or by providence, I guess I should say, depending on where you stand in providence, <laughs> um, do, do either one of you have a healthy relationship mm-hmm. with your biological mom and father? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Can I borrow you for a second? Sure. Awesome. Uh, so uh, you have a healthy relationship with your mom and dad. What do you call your mom? Mom. Mom. And what do you call your dad? Dad. Do you call your mom parent? <laughs> no. Is she your parent? Yes. Why don't you ever call her parents? That would, I'm not English enough for that. Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> my parent. My Hello, parent, governor. <laughs> Sorry. What, what would happen in your life if you walked up to your mom and you called her dad? We'd immediately have a conversation about politics, I think. Uh, oh, no, my gosh. no, that's just a, a, a today thing. Um, yeah, um, I think she would look at me like I was very strange. Yeah. And what happened if like, you walked up to your dad and called her, called your dad mom? Uh, yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be very so, odd. So you have, and McClanahan? McClanahan. McClanahan. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing last name. It's I need fun. More, I need more I McClanahans in my life. Absolutely. Everybody well, does. I know four of them. So. I know half, I know 10% of one because I, I don't know you that well. McClanahans, right? So you, you, you've been a McClanahan for how many years? 43 years. 43 years. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Conception included, be, I'd be up to 44. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how that's important, man. Life yeah. against a conception. I mean, it does. Yeah, she was instantaneously your mom. Yeah. So um, uh, if I if I gave you a list of, of 10 things that one of your parents did for you, but I didn't tell you which parent did it for you, how confident are you that you'd be able to tell me which parent it was? I would say very confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. they've, they've done different things. They yeah. did some of the same things. Yeah. Like, for example, they each made sure I got to school. Amen. But they might have done that in different ways or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you have a distinct relationship with your mother, distinct relationship with your dad. Absolutely. But your dad loves you. Yep. And your mom loves you. Yep. But your ability to grow in intimacy with your mom depends on the degree to which you understand what she's doing for you in your life. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Your mom made you lunch. Thank you, mom, for making me lunch. If your mom made you lunch and you went and thanked your dad, hmm. that's going to interrupt. That's going to hinder your intimacy with your mom because you're looking around going, my mom never does anything for right. me. Right. When in fact, your mom does a lot of things for you that you're not giving her credit for. Makes you feel like your mom doesn't love you, even though in truth she hmm. loves you and she's demonstrating that love yeah. to you. Right? Now, m- my family's terrible. I, I don't like my family. Oh. And this is a hypothetical. Oh, goodness. You should start with that. Well, if your mom is listening. I mean, that well, dark. my mom passed away five years ago, oh, so that'd be a little bit hard. That's okay. You want to say anything else? No, okay. go ahead. Okay. So my family, but I see the McClanahan family. I'm like, no, nah, goodness gracious, this is an incredible family. I get to know you. I'm like, wow, you have life happens in your family that happened in my family. And you go and you talk to your parents, and all of a sudden you come, hey, my parents want to adopt you. Whoa, I'm going to be adopted. This is going to be amazing. So I get adopted into your family. 
you're now my brother. Your, part of your responsibility is to disciple me for what it looks like now to be a McClanahan. Hmm. Now, you've been a McClanahan for 43 years. I've been a McClanahan for zero minutes. What that means for you to disciple me is to help me understand who dad is hmm. and who mom is in distinction from one another mm-hmm. so that I can grow in intimacy and experience the love of mom in my life in distinction from experiencing the love of dad in my life. My ability to grow competent, clear, powerful, filled up depends on my acknowledging and recognizing the very specific things mom wants to do in my life and the very specific mm-hmm. thing dad wants to do in my life. You're a parent. Or I don't know if you have kids or not. Mm-hmm. Quantos niños? How many kids do you have? Two. Two kiddos. How old are your kids? Uh, 12 and 14. 12 and 14. Mm-hmm. I could interview your kids, even at 12 and 14, and I could put them through the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And they would go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's mom. It's not hard. Yeah. It's not hard. It's not hard. Now, we as parents can experience ebbs and flows of intimacy with our kids. Our kids can experience ebbs and flows of intimacy with us. It's not always dialed in 100%. My dad's the greatest thing in the world, man. We ha But I have clarity with who my dad is. I have clarity with who my mom is. It's the exact, it's, it's the exact same thing in the Trinity. I'm adopted into the family of my father, brand new family. I'm an orphan adopted into the family. My ability to grow in intimacy with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit depends on my clarity with which I understand what is the Father doing in my life? Mm -hmm. What is the Son doing in my life? What is the Holy Spirit doing in my life? And if I came to you as my new brother, as a member of the McClanahan's, and I told you, hey man, I'm going to go ask, uh, I'm going to go ask mom where we're going on vacation this year. And you know that dad is the one who makes the vacation decision. You would say to me, dude, don't, don't go ask mom. That's not mom's deal. Go ask, go ask dad. Yeah. Uh, this ain't rocket science. Yeah. It's just relationships. It's relationships. So a lot of times where we see where we hear this a lot, people will say regularly, I'm asking Jesus for his will in my life. I'm yeah. asking Jesus what he wants me to do. What does Jesus want me? What, what does Jesus want me to do? Well, what does Jesus what does Jesus say about who has the will for us in our lives? Hmm. It's not Jesus. Where does Jesus go to find out his will? To the Father. He goes to the Father. Jesus teaches us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your mm-hmm. will be done. Mm-hmm. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus cries out and says to the Father, mm-hmm. Father, not my will. Even Jesus is saying, it ain't my will. Father, it's your will. So one of the great issues that many of us have is discerning the will of God in our lives. First of all, we don't understand who we're talking about when we say God. Every time you do scare quotes, the people on the podcast listening don't know you're doing it. I just did quotes. Okay. Whatever, whatever that, I don't know how to do that. Whatever. I'm doing quotes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the will of, the will of quote unquote God. How about that? Quote unquote God. <laughs> Perfect. And then I ask, hey, when you say the will of quote unquote God, who are you referring to? They, they don't, they, they don't have any idea. They don't have any idea. Uh, and so then we press in about, about, and, or then, then they'll say, okay, now I'm asking Jesus for his will in my life. And I'm like, well, you know, Jesus teaches us to ask the father. Yeah. And so now we're trying to discern the will of our heavenly father and you're his son, you're his daughter. How much in your regular life do you operate today as a son of your father? Hmm. How much in your life today do you operate as a daughter of our father? Mm -hmm. How much is that like the title of titles in your life? For most people, it's not. Right. And so let's work on intimacy Let's work on cultivating intimacy as a daughter of our father, as a son of our father, in such a way that you can begin to more clearly hear his voice in your life. That's a perfect segue to where we're going next. Yeah. And so this is where Trinitarian clarity becomes profoundly important for our 
our inner uh, healing, for our vitality, for our life in Christ, all of these uh, quality of life, abundance issues, vitality issues that we, although we're in church, we don't, we don't normally experience. You know, I like the illustration of the mom and dad because the, the contrarian in me wants to come back at you and say, okay, I agree with everything you're saying, but they are all one. They're three persons, but they're also one. And so it's not the end of the world if you go to Jesus and ask what the will is. Just the same way if you go to, you know, Evan's dad and ask him to make a sandwich, he's not going to be like, no, get away from me. I don't do no, sandwiches, no, no, right? No, no, not at all. He'll be like, yeah, I mean, your mom usually does that, but I'm happy to because um, it, the illustration mm-hmm. breaks down mm-hmm. a little because they're not one. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me um, uh, speak into that just for a second, yeah. if I may. Because this is something that I get about all constantly. Is this really that big of a deal? My my normal retort is, hey, man, I don't know. Jesus was super clear about this. <laughs> so you can't pick and choose. And second of all, conversion, this is a relational issue. We're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. We, we preach. We stay in the pulpit. I, mean, I preach. I don't know how many times. We stay in the pulpit and preach about relationship, 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 relationship. But then the people don't know how to live in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason, from my experience, the major reason they don't understand how to live in a relationship is because they don't get Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hmm. There's no clarity. There's no clarity. The Father does this. The Son does this. The Holy Spirit does this. And so when we when we work into this and we start going, hey, when this happens, that's the Holy Spirit. They go, oh, the next time we get together, they're like, and so we'll sit one time and they'll say, yeah, the Holy Spirit doesn't really do much in my life. And I was like, yes, he does. Let me give you five things the Holy Spirit does in your life. Da, 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 da. The next time we come together, like, man, the Holy Spirit's doing all this stuff in my life. It's amazing. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Right. You've just now Understood. been able to see yeah. this is what dad does. And this is what mom does. This is what crazy Uncle Joe, the Holy Spirit, does in your life, whatever you call him. Uh, and, and, and now all of a sudden, intimacy explodes. Intimacy explodes. Transformation happens. Addictions are broken, habits are broken, holiness comes about, all as a manifestation of intimacy. Hmm. And here we go. And now they're out making disciples. So someone that has not really explored this, it's not like they're not a Christian. It's not that they're maybe like doing it wrong, but it just could be so much more full, right? It could be more channels of love, as you say. Yeah. Well, yeah, well so, I mean, you know, like with your kids, like you love each one of your kids in distinction from each other. So does your wife. Right, the father loves me. My father wants to have a relationship with me. The son loves me. He wants to have a relationship with me. The Holy Spirit loves me. He wants to have a relationship with me. The Holy Spirit wants me to know Him. That's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. The father wants me to know Him. That's exciting to me. The son wants me to know Him. That's exciting to me. And so I have a great relationship. I have a healthy relationship with Jesus. I have a healthy relationship with my father. I have a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I get to enjoy the fruit of this Trinitarian love fest that I've been invited into. <laughs> A real quick question. Um, when you preach or teach, did you notice when you kind of maybe grew into this understanding of the Trinity that you used the word God less? Far oh, interesting. Less. Okay. Far less on purpose. Yeah. Far less on purpose. Uh, and I can demonstrate, and this is usually freaks people out, but I can demonstrate that the vast majority of times in the New Testament when the name God is invoked, yeah. it's actually referring to the Father. And I can demonstrate it. And mm-hmm. some people are like, Wah! and I'm like, okay, let me demonstrate it to you. You know, Romans chapter one, verse one, and that, or you know, wherever all the different the, the the hundreds of texts I can go to that demonstrate that. So for me, I don't. I usually I do not invoke the name of God because it's just contributing to people's God, God blob, and, and it's not. So in, in other words, if 
where nor where people are normally saying the word God, they really mean the Father. So you would just say Father. Sometimes. Yes. They, most of the time, they don't know who they're referring to. Right, right. Okay. So there's not even clarity on that end. No. But, but usually, if you're going to speak about God, you will speak about one of the three persons of the Godhead. Tremendously. Okay. If I'm referring to the oneness of God, then I will specify I'm referring to the oneness of okay. God. Otherwise, I'm talking about the Father's this, the Son is this, the Holy Spirit is this. Do you ever use the proper, the, the name that God gives for himself? Yahweh. Okay. I, I didn't want to offend you by saying it. But, no, no, yeah. me. no, no, well, no, I, I, it, I don't understand why people get offended because it's literally the word that God gave himself. No, we can quibble about how to pronounce it and things like that. Yeah. But I'm like, God said, and, and the word has meaning and whatnot. But to me, that's clarifying as well. And, you know, I know like the New Legacy Bible now uses Yahweh. Some of the newer translations are going back to using Yahweh instead of the capital L-O-R-D in the Old Testament. Yeah. Because I think there's clarity about, well, that's... Massive. Yahweh references the nature of God. Massive. Mm -hmm. The the being of God, the kind of character of God. And to me, it's more specific than a a generic God, which Mm. could even be a non... Could even be a demon. Like, right, the lowercase g, God, right? I mean, because the the Bible speaks about gods. Anyway. So, uh, a side note on Yahweh, Lord, for, in the first place. I think translating Yahweh as Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is, <laughs> is terrible. I so think does that, Dan Wallace. I think he, that was a he just massive, came and spoke about that. I think that was a massive mistake. The second place, Yahweh is our Father. Hmm. Yahweh does not refer to the oneness of God. No? Y- Yahweh is our Father. Is Jesus Yahweh? No. Yahweh is our Father. We know this from Psalm 110. We know this from Psalm 110. Where the Lord says to my Lord. The, in the English, yeah. hmm. in the Hebrew, it says Yahweh, Yahweh says. speaks to Adonai. In the Hebrew, it's remarkably clear yeah. who the different persons are that are being talked about. Who's Rem- Adonai? Jesus. Ooh. It's twist. remarkably clear. It becomes Jesus. And this is what Jesus, when the Pharisees are attacking Jesus about his deity, and Jesus refers to Psalm 110 to verify, to validate that he isn't, that the Messiah is Lord. And yet Messiah Lord is actually underneath the authority of Yahweh. Hmm. And he quotes Psalm 110. Well, Psalm 110 in the Hebrew says, and Yahweh speaks to Adonai. Hmm. Yahweh the Father speaks to Adonai, right? All the promises of God our Father are yes and amen. Our Father is a promise-keeping, covenant-keeping Father from the Old Testament forward. Hmm. So Yahweh is Father. The crazy thing about Yahweh, and, and there, there's these all these people want to keep calling him Yahweh. When Jesus came, Jesus said, "Call him Father." Father is a more intimate yeah. name to call him than Yahweh is, and and it goes even further. Says you can call him Abba. Mm-hmm. And now we don't know, and you know this, but we don't know what Abba means specifically. But we do know that it is the pet name that Jesus has for his dad. So I call my dad Pops. Do you have a pet name for your dad? Uh, when a pretty, until pretty recently, we actually called my parents Daddy and Mommy. We Daddy never stopped. Mommy. There you go. Yeah. Do you have a pet name for your dad? No. So I call my dad Pops or Father Time. Pops, Father Time. <laughs> if you got adopted into my family, hey, just call him Pops. Don't call him Dad. Call him Pops. Mm-hmm. This is what Jesus is saying. You can mm-hmm. call him Father. He's your father. He's your dad. Or if you'd like, you can call him what I call him. You call him Abba. That's like the, the most intimate mm. of intimate of intimate names that blows Yahweh out of the water. Blows mm. Yahweh out of the water. And Yahweh is an amazing name. I love Yahweh. I love the name. I love the meaning of it. Don't call him Lord. It's Yahweh. What is, what is the meaning real fast? So what, of, what, of Yahweh. Of Yahweh. Yeah. So uh, I am that I am. Yeah. 
right? Tetra. I think for uh, for our audience, it's worth saying because I I do think the meaning is important because it, it, it's it's almost like God is saying, well, I think it is like God is saying, you know, I am existence. I am the you know the, the I am the author of all life. You know, existence is impossible to, to even think about with me. I mean, it's so presuppositional. Yeah. You know, the nature of God is so necessary for any life, for any being, for anything at all to, yeah. to be. Yeah. You know, so it's like, so, so, so the name itself just constantly is a reminder of the foundational nature of God, which is hopefully obvious to all Christians, but... Yeah. It's not... You know. I mean, when I first, like, read the or heard someone tell me the story of, like, Moses and the burning bush, and who should I say sent me, and he says, tell them I am, I'm like, grammatically, that's weird to, you know, like, tell them I am sent you. I am sent. Like, that's weird, right? Um, I mean, as I've learned more about theology and learned more about the God blob, um, it makes more sense. It's sort of philosophical and theological and intimate all at once. And But it is kind of confusing when you just read it at face value the first time. I am is a name. And people well, say it's it's not translatable because it could also mean I am what I am or I, I it could be almost like future present, like I am who I will be or something to that effect. But I think the point is it's existential, like in nature, you know, it's yeah. so foundational. Well, but and, and we, we got to keep it in context, right? So Exodus 3, Moses, God calls Moses, our father calls Moses, the Lord calls Moses to go and do this crazy thing. Yeah. And Moses is scared. Yeah. And if you ever get the call of God on your life, one of your reactions is going to be fear. Yeah. It's scary. And and so one of the major things that you desperately need to be faithful to the call of our Father on your lives is assurance. Yeah. You're in the middle of this right now. You need assurance, like minute by minute, day by day assurance. And so Moses is, is saying, I need assurance. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Moses, for verbalizing what's so real in me. Yeah. Uh, and so our, our Father says, Yahweh. We can we can split all of these hairs about the, the specifics of what he of of the of the of, of of the particular wording of it. What 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 are what Yahweh wanted Moses to feel was assurance. This name is to give you assurance so that you can march forward, so that you can mm. run the race mm-hmm. that our Father has marked out for you. You need assurance that our Father is going to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to put you in a position where if I don't come through, if Yahweh doesn't come through, you're going to fail. Yeah. And Moses is like, dude, you got to hook me up, man. Yahweh. Uh, So whatever the meaning is, the Mm -hmm. nuances of the meaning, it is intended to move Moses from a place of anxiety and insecurity to a place of boldness and confidence to be faithful. Mm -hmm. And who of us today, today, doesn't need assurance that our father is going to come through every single day. Mm-hmm. And you're experiencing this in, in major ways. I'm experiencing this in major ways um, uh, uh, in my life as well. So, Well, let's talk about that then. Because I am jealous of Moses, who got to talk you know, audibly to the Lord. And when you and I have hung out, you will say this phrase as if it's no big deal. Well, God spoke to me, or God told me, or God talked to me. Well, you don't say God. You say my father. But... um. I'm I'm astonished when people say that because sometimes I believe them and sometimes I think I mean I've heard people say that and then say something after that's clearly not from the Lord. Um and you hear funny stories all the time of people that got dumped and the guy was like, "Well, the Lord told me that, you know." <laughs> and the person's like, "Well, the Lord didn't tell me that, you know." Um I haven't actually had that particular experience, but Or on the flip side of that, guys will say, "The Lord told me you're the one." Yeah, and the and girl's the like, "I'm like, pretty yeah, sure that's he hasn't not told me that yet." <laughs> 
Um, so people definitely say this when it's not the case, right? So that doesn't every time someone says the Lord said something doesn't mean the Lord actually spoke. But you believe that God does communicate with us, speak to us. Let's talk about that a little bit. What is how does God do that? How do we hear it? Are there ways to hear it better? Or to maybe even just open our minds like I've been trying to do that he does that at all? Because I will tell you, I've on the sort of conservative end of the theological spectrum, the the party line is that God speaks to us through his word, through the Bible. That's We can Amen. always rest assured that everything that's in the Bible is what God wants to tell us. Amen. Beyond that, we get into some murky waters. Like I think a lot of things in my head when I'm praying, and I'm praying as sort of purely as I can in my flawed state, you know, and, and a thought will pop in my mind. And I'll be like, okay, is that from the Lord? Or is that just me? And then people will say things like, well, I know it was from the Lord because it's something I wouldn't normally think. But I can trick myself. Like I can think things I normally wouldn't think. Sarah, you are going to meet a rich bachelor tomorrow. You know, <laughs> I'm joking. I think that a lot. But um, talk to us a little bit about hearing God's voice and maybe how this whole Trinitarian understanding deepens that or changes that. Uh, yeah, it's a big, it's a big question. So we'll yeah, just unpack it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So you know, uh, obviously, right, I'm not a big fan of "Does God speak?" I don't know who we're talking about. So, Father, Son, in within the <laughs> context of Trinitarian intimacy, does my Father speak? Does the Son speak? Does the Holy Spirit speak? And to that, we say unequivocally, yes, absolutely, and amen. Um, uh, uh, as a manifestation of intimacy, right? These are relationships. We got to keep drilling this in. This is a relationship, a relationship, a relationship. Uh, in that relationship, there is communication that's happening between the persons involved in the relationship. I don't know how you have a relationship with somebody you can't communicate with, um, uh, in, on the one hand. Um, in, hmm. in Trinitarian economy today, the Holy Spirit is the one who is speaking directly to us. He's the one who is making known to us the will of our Father. He's the one who's applying the finished work of Jesus in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one, which is why the New Testament says twice, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It never says don't grieve the Father. It never says don't grieve the Son. It says do not grieve the Holy hmm. Spirit, for whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. So the, the, the New Testament is speaking to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who are baptized in the Holy Spirit already. And we are, we are warned, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, which infers the Spirit of God is doing things in us or wants to be doing things in us that we can quelch. That we can hmm. that we can grieve. Uh, otherwise, what, what's the warning of grieving? How am I grieving the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit is not actively at work in my life? And so then it becomes a question of all right, what's the mechanic of this? Right. What is? How do you break this down? Like mechanically, how does this work? Mm -hmm. One example, and there are a litany of these, but one example in Romans nine, chapter nine, verse one, the Apostle Paul says, um, "I'm going to butcher this," but he says. <laughs> Uh, the Feel holy. Pull it up. Yeah, let me. Let if me you want. Yeah, let me get that right. I should like do a promo while he's like while he's doing that. Go to Houston TOT. Let me stop. Yeah, there we go. Okay, <laughs> Romans nine one. The Apostle Paul says, "I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit." Okay, so let's let's break this down mechanically. Paul says, "My conscience." Where is a person's conscience located? Anybody? I don't know. Internally, externally. Well, internally. Internally. Yeah. Can you? Thanks for the multiple choice. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah no problem. Hey, you, know, you got to work with your audience. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, 
I know you well enough to say that. I don't yeah, know you yeah, well yeah. say that, so forgive me. Um, so it works internally. Can you hear your conscience? No, not audibly. Might, may as well. I don't hear a noise. Internally. Yeah. Okay, sure. Does, does yeah. your conscience speak to you? Sure. Can you hear? Can you have a dialogue with your conscience? Does I, your, yeah, does, I mean, I guess. Does your conscience uh, give you words? Does your conscience communicate with you in some way? Yes. Okay. So Paul has a conscience internally that communicates, right? We're all good on that? Yeah. Apostle Paul says, my conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. Now, according to Trinitarian economy, a bunch of other places, where for the believer, where is the Holy Spirit? In us. Okay. So inside of me, I have my conscience and I have the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. inside of me. Mm-hmm. We've already established that I can hear, mm-hmm. or however, whatever word you want to use, the, the, my conscience communicates, I can hear my inner voice, if you will. And now the Apostle Paul is saying the Holy Spirit, who is in me, hmm. testifies along with, with yeah. my conscience. Well, what does it mean to testify? Speak. Bear witness. Yeah. So however you want to call it, in some way, the Holy Spirit is giving data yeah. And I got to, I mean, I'll go as nebulous as anybody wants to go. I can say the Holy Spirit is talking to your conscience. Well, I don't really know about that. I say, okay, that's fine. There is some, in some way, the Holy Spirit is transmitting data sure. to your conscience in a way that your conscience can understand it hmm. and receive it. Because the Apostle Paul just said, my conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Interesting. So as I listen to, I don't expect to hear my own voice outside of me. I don't expect to hear my conscience outside of me. I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Now, hang on to that just for a second. You're about, you guys are in the book of John and your Fab Five Bible study. It's a Fab Five Bible study? Fab Five is something else. My oh, women's Bible study. You yes. have so many groups. I can't keep them straight. I'm very popular. Yes. You are very popular. Uh, oh but you guys are going through the, John, about yeah. to do the, the high priestly prayer. So you guys yeah. are truck through John 14 to 17. You yeah. know in John 14, I think it's John 14 or John 16, I can't remember which one. Jesus says to his disciples, hey guys, it is to your advantage. That I go be with my father. That I leave. Yeah. yeah. Because 16. when I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Yeah. So we say, okay, first of all, Jesus, you're wrong. Uh, it's not to our advantage because I like to argue with him about this thing because we would all say, I think we would all say, if Jesus was here bodily, my life would be much better. But Jesus is saying, no, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then we say, what is it about him going mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit coming that it's better now with the Holy Spirit than it is when Jesus mm-hmm. was here? One of the things, and there again, there are a litany of things. One of the things that makes it better is if it was just Jesus here Wherever Jesus is, you have to go. That's right. In order to hear what it is that he's saying. Yeah. So if Jesus was here today and he was in Beaumont. Right. And you wanted to hear, you'd have to drive to Beaumont. Yeah. Right. One of the benefits of the spirit of God being poured out upon us, we no longer have to go to Beaumont to yeah. hear. Oh, thank goodness. Have you been what? to Beaumont? I'm joking. You Keep have going. listeners from Beaumont. You, just... you just shot down your market share. <laughs> My brother 50%. lives in Beaumont. See? I'm sorry, Evan McLean's brother. 
Okay, continue. Wow. New McClanahan brother. Wow, that's terrible. Okay, so one of the benefits of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is we no longer have to go physically to where Jesus sure. is in order to hear. Now we have the ability to hear what God our Father is trying to say to us just by resting and relaxing back into the person. The Holy Spirit is a person who loves me and cares about me, whose biblical role is to communicate to me the things of my Father and the things of Jesus. And I don't have to go to Jerusalem. I don't have to go yeah. to the temple. I don't have to go to the church. I don't have to go to the pastor. I can sit in the presence of the Holy Spirit and allow him to speak to me that which God my Father wants me to speak. Now, extremely careful. There are so many bad examples of people saying, thus saith the Lord. Yes. Horrible examples. There is nothing that the Holy Spirit is ever going to give you that is ever going to contradict what the Word of God has to say. Right. Never. It's important. Never. And so this is the distinction that we make. Here's the distinction we make about does God speak or in what does God speak? And what does the, our Father speak through the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, God our Father, is done with doctrine. There's no new doctrine that's mm-hmm. being given. Mm-hmm. No new doctrine is being given. At, we're not adding to Scripture not a single bit of it. So doctrinally, the Holy Spirit is not creating new doctrine. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit does speak to us devotionally. Mm-hmm. Now, let me show you what I mean by that. Scripture says that you're a son of our Father. You can hear the Holy Spirit say to you, hey, Evan, you are a son of the Father. You can hear the Holy Spirit remind you of something devotionally that he has already made known to you doctrinally. Mm-hmm. Something true. Yes. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit because he loves you. And you're feeling down in your day and you're not having a good time or you got anxiety (laughs) because you're about to walk into this year right here. And the Holy Spirit will quicken you and will speak Mm -hmm. to you and remind you, hey, don't forget. Mm -hmm. Don't forget your father loves you. I'm not violating scripture at all by declaring that God, the Holy Spirit speaks. And away we go. So he doesn't speak to me doctrinally. That's sealed. That's sealed. He's not creating new doctrine. He speaks to me devotionally. And lastly, he speaks to me directionally. You used to be a Baptist pastor, huh? They uh, all start with D. No, 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 no. Well, I going. did, but no, 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 no. That's quite accidental. <laughs> he speaks to me directionally. So I need to understand the will of my father. How do I know what the will of my father is? What is it that he wants me to do? I want to run the race marked out for me that God my father has for me. How am I supposed to discern what that is? The spirit of God is going to speak to me directionally. And he can speak to me directionally. Hey, Jim, go there and talk to that guy right there. And it will not violate a single mm-hmm. jot or tittle or iota. It will not even come close to violating a single bit of the canon of scripture. Yeah. Doesn't even come close. Doesn't even come close. The triune God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, the Holy Spirit communicated to me. There's the will of my Father. Go over there and talk to that guy right there. My ability to, to hear that and discern that will grow over time yeah. as I grow in wisdom and understanding who the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the same way, as in, in, and we know this from our marriages. I've been married 21 years. My ability to clearly understand what my wife is saying and my wife's ability to clearly understand what I'm saying has grown over the years yeah. of being in an intimate relationship with my wife. And so the more that I'm in intimacy with my now, to the degree that I'm confused about who my wife is, oh, I thought you were my wife. Oh, I thought you were oh, my dear. wife. Oh, dear. Oh, I thought you were my wife. Yeah. Has a dramatic impact yeah. on my ability to grow in understanding with what my actual wife is trying to say to me. Yeah. The clearer I am about who my wife is, the easier it is for me to grow in maturity with yeah. understanding what it is she's trying to say to me. Interesting. So it comes back to clarity, Trinitarian clarity. I love it. Away we go. That was a lot of stuff. No, it was good. And every time I had a contrarian thought, you're like, and you might be thinking, and you nailed it. So I I think when people start talking about hearing God's voice, I'm not worried about the doctrine stuff. If someone tells me God told me, you know, a new doctrine, I already know that's crazy sauce. 
that where it gets really dicey and muddy for me is things like, you know, should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Uh, should I strike out and turn Theology on Tap into a nonprofit? Or these kinds of things, you know? Or even like, you know, I need to give this my kid a consequence for this terrible thing they did. Should it be a week of grounding or should it be taking away the, those sorts of like life choices kind of thing? Um, I, I don't struggle when people say the Lord reminded me that I belong to him. Well, that's lovely. It doesn't, of, of course, God would say that. It's when you get into things where some one person might say one thing and another person might say another thing that you're like, well, both can't be true or right. That's where I, I wonder yeah. about the whole God speaking to people thing. Yeah. You know? And and I hear people say this all the time, like, well, the Lord woke me up one morning and told me to start this business. Really? Amen. Like, I mean, that's amazing if that really did happen. It just doesn't happen like that for me, at least not yet. So. Amen. Okay. No is, thoughts is on that? Is it something you, you can grow into, you think? You, I mean, you said it. Massively. Yeah. Massively. Yeah. 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 And it, I'm stumbling in my words. Every person is different. Yeah. Every person is different. Every person matters. Every person's story is relevant and needs to be heard. Uh, so I'm, I'll, I'll mention your age because you're a woman and I know I'm not supposed to do that. I don't care. 43 mm-hmm. years old. 43 years old. You have 43 years of life experiences that have shaped who you are today as we come into this conversation about the potential of hearing the voice of the Lord. Your 43 years are completely different than however many years you have, are completely different than theirs and than theirs and than theirs and than theirs and theirs. To think that I can stand up in front of a group of people and apply a universal teaching to everybody is, is absurd. Yeah. It's just absurd. The, the 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 experiences that they've had, the spiritual abuse that's been foisted on them, because thus saith the Lord, yeah. is can be profound and excruciatingly painful. Hmm. So to think that that hey here's this podcast called this and it's just gonna set is is insane and quite in, can be quite injurious cause a lot of injury yeah. to real people's uh, experiences and so I don't I don't presume that hey here's this one stop formula for how this is gonna work yeah. what I do presume is that our father is a loving caring wonderful father mm-hmm. and he loves his kids. And he wants us to have an incredibly wonderful, healthy relationship with him as our dad. Yeah. I can help you learn one little micro step. And it's a micro step. You didn't get into this overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. One little micro step at a time. I do know that Jesus loves you and he wants to have this wonderful, dynamic, daily, vivacious thing. And, And the exact same thing with the Holy Spirit. One step, one step, one step, one step. When I'm discipling people in this, we'll sit in the Father and we will do nothing but meet with the Father for a month. Hmm. A month. You're, and I will tell them, you're not allowed to talk to Jesus and you're not allowed to talk to the Holy Spirit. Just you and the Father. That's tricky since the Holy Spirit's inside them. Well, and they, but the Holy I'm Spirit just... and, and the Son understand this because they know, right? I'm, I'm, you know, this guy's 30 years old or this guy's 45 years old and they've been in this Trinitarian junk mess for so many years, yeah. in order to get this cleaned up, we we need to spend dedicated time sure. just with your dad. And then we're going to go to Jesus. And then, so the last time I did this with these guys, we were a, a month into the Holy Spirit. And I said, are you guys ready to move on? No, no, we're not ready yet. We sat in the Holy Spirit for six months. Six months as these men, I watched these men just getting acquainted with this new person of the Trinity that they had never spent a whole lot of time with. Hmm. I'm not in a hurry to get anywhere. I'm not yeah. in a hurry to get anywhere. 
The Father loves you, the Son loves you, the Holy Spirit loves you, and they want to have a great relationship with you, and let's walk this out together as our Father will, will let us journey together to do I love it. So if people are listening and they want to do this and they want some Jim Stern help and discipleship in their life, how can people get in contact with you? Uh, the easiest way is the website, trexo.org. Trexo.org. Uh, we've got uh, podcasts, blogs, books, uh, videos. Uh, is it just guys? Do you do any blah, stuff blah, blah. with like mixed groups or are you mostly disciple men or how does that work? Uh, in discipleship, I only do men, but in yeah. training, I do men and women. So I'm about to train the women's leadership team of a church in Houston. Cool. Um, uh, eight, six women, six women. Uh, and I'm about to train him in in all of this. And so, uh, yeah, you know, as, as our as our father leads and opens doors, away we go. Awesome. Trexo.org. 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 Or in the overflow.org. In the overflow.org is the one-stop shop directly to our podcast video and blog that we do mm-hmm. every year. Oh, or okay. every, every week. Cool. Every year wouldn't be very good. <laughs> and uh, if you're listening to these in a row, you've already then heard him on our uh in our live event, because he's going to be on our panel for that. So, um, yeah, go find him and ask him about discipleship. Evan, any last thoughts before we leave? Nope. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for checking this out today and for listening. I hope it's um, – I know for me it's got me, like, thinking and excited about, you know, these channels of love. So until we talk to you or hear from you next, we encourage you, as always, to question freely, think deeply, and disagree as needed. Mm-hmm.